This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome in, everyone. My name is Jake Mendel. I am joined by Josh House. That must mean we're here. This is Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh So We're getting there. The draft is quickly approaching. And before we get into all the, the wants, the dreams we have for the Dolphins this year in the draft, Josh, I got to ask you, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. We just got back from a walk. So, you know, we're going out there and trying to, to stay active and, and get through everything. So we're doing good, man. How about you? Good, good. You know, I finally hit a day off. Um, you know, I got yelled at once for mentioning Call of Duty, but I'm going to sit here and mention another video game. Uh, Hearthstone, a game I play, a card game I'm kind of addicted to. I released a new expansion, and it's like a brand new world. It's like playing a new game. And let's say just I, besides, you know, the Dolphins and that right now, uh, I don't have much of a life. Yeah, I don't think any of us do because of everything going <laughs> on. So we're just sitting here hanging out on Twitter and thefinsider.com and just kind of bickering back and forth about what the Dolphins are ultimately going to do. You know, lots to talk about. I know we're going to talk about draft needs. You got some things you want to discuss, so let's just jump right into it. So it's been announced that the draft is going to happen, but there's a little bit more of a twist and turn that nobody is going to be together. You know, there aren't going to be any facilities open for, you know, a group of GMs, scouts, coaches, whatever it may be, really kind of talking to each other. So you kind of had to start there about how this draft is going to go. You think that, all right, you might be a little concerned, but what I read that kind of made me feel a little better about this whole thing is this is what the XFL did in all their drafts. And, you know, we're kind of running out of time here with the draft quickly approaching, but I think it'd be kind of interesting to look at what the XFL did in those dra- in, in their two draft, I think they had two drafts actually. One uh, a couple months apart. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on that, but I thought I read that. And uh, they said, you know, basically it went really smooth. You know, there weren't any any issues because what I've seen over Twitter the last couple of days, uh, things like which GM still has an AOL account, which GM's gonna accidentally have themselves on mute and, and lose their pick, things like that, which are funny and interesting to think about. But when you see a team like the Dolphins that has so many draft picks, you're trying to, you know, prepare yourself for any and everything that could possibly go wrong. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I made a joke that uh, whoever beat watchdogs one and two need to reach out because I would love to be a fly on the wall in those zoom meetings and to be there, you know, when the dolphins are on the clock and all these other teams. So 
I, I understand that a lot of there's a lot of skepticism surrounding it, and we hope that you know this is the first and last time they have, ever have to do this virtual draft. But teams are going to have the, you know the cards stacked against them, whether they're trying to reach out with trades with other teams, you know, connection connectivity issues. You know, I, I don't know what it's going to be, but there's going to be a plenty of issues, I believe. Maybe this prevents teams from making trades that maybe they otherwise would have, and you know they don't go through all the hassle, but. You kind of hope that NFL teams have been prepared for this. You kind of hope that the NFL is prepared for this. It really comes down to how Zoom handles it. I know they're doing a lot of online classes now that schools, you know, being more of a homeschool type situation with everybody quarantined. But how are their servers going to handle 32 teams? You know, each team having, what, five to ten players in their draft room. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm not envious of those GMs and general managers and, you know, front office guys that have to make those decisions. But time will tell. It's going to be here 15 days from now. The NFL draft will be here and it's going to happen whether we whether they want it to or not. You know, the whole Zoom thing, I think, is a little uh, strange to me because outside of being a sports reporter, I'm also an adjunct professor um, at a local college. And they sent out an email about, you know, using Zoom. And we've all seen the reports about, you know, if you're having classes People have been hacking into these or, you know, just walking into them because these are open URLs. What I don't understand is why, you know, why aren't, you know, more established things like like Skype, for instance, what we used to record the show, things like that being more talked about instead of this uh, Zoom that kind of just burst onto the speed, uh, burst onto the scene, excuse me. It kind of just fell into our laps at the right time. But I mean, it's a little strange to think that, you know, there's all these questions swirling around and we wouldn't want something that's as solidified and as well guaranteed, you know, um, you know, the Microsoft surfaces, um, they work with the NFL, I believe. And I believe Skype is owned by Microsoft. I'm going to have to check that, but uh, you have to wonder what's kind of going on here in terms of, are there going to be issues like that? Is somebody going to get hacked? Is somebody going to lose internet? These are kind of concerns we think about. I don't necessarily know if we're over. No, I'm going to say we're most certainly overreacting. But when you have three first-round picks, when you have two more second-round picks, these are things you're thinking, we're going to remember this Dolphins year for something horrible going on. It's just kind of the personality we, we've developed over the years of being a Dolphin fan. Yeah, and I think what's most interesting, I forget who tweeted it, but they said, you know, someday we're going to look at this and ESPN's going to do a 30 for 30 on this draft because this is going to be one of those drafts that, you know, is unprecedented. It is nothing like we've seen before. So I think it's going to be interesting to see the way the NFL handles it, you know, from a visual perspective. You know, they cover the draft like it's the Super Bowl almost. This is probably the largest sporting event, you know, between the NFL, uh, the Super Bowl, and, you know, maybe – week one or whatever it is, uh, it's going to be interesting to see the way it plays out. And again, I'm not envious, but if there's a way to get in on that Zoom meeting, absolutely, someone send it my way because I would love to be in there to see what the Dolphins are discussing. <laughs> you know, one thing I really want to happen is I want this to be like, you know, you have five or six buddies with you and you're doing a fantasy draft and you have to, you know, Skype call in or video call, FaceTime, whatever it may be, other people in. And I just want it to be Roger Goodell walking up to like this big piece of like, I don't know, partially ripped uh poster board and, and just have like little stickers of each person's name that he's throwing on and you know it just looks like a complete mess we have like sharpie arrow lines with all the trades that have happened i want this to be as like <laughs> as as fancy draft as we could possibly get it just to you know get you that real football feel that grit that belongs on uh, on a you know a sport like this 
Yeah, we've all been part of those drafts. You know, someone shows up late, someone's auto-drafting for the first three rounds. I mean, it's if I, I want to know how they're going to handle it if for some reason a connection goes down and a team can't make a pick. You know, obviously they're going to be lenient if trades are made. I think they already said they'd add additional time, but this is something that we've never seen. Like you said, the Dolphins have three first-round picks. They have two in the second round. And I think that's what we're going to talk about next is, you know, some of those needs heading into this draft. And the biggest thing that's going on right now, and we all know the Dolphins absolutely need a quarterback, is the talk between, and I know everyone in the Finsider absolutely hates to discuss it, but Tuatoma Vailoa and the rest of this class. And it's coming out that, you know, the Dolphins have significant interest in Justin Herbert. I want to get your thoughts on that because this is a guy that, again, compared to Ryan Tannehill, I think he's better than Ryan Tannehill. I got... Uh, you know, annihilated for suggesting that on uh, in a recent article. But I think coming out of the draft, Justin Herbert is far more refined, a far better passer, a far better overall player than what Ryan Tannehill was. Remember, Ryan Tannehill just converted over to quarterback. I think it was his first full season starting. Yep. So you're comparing apples to oranges there. But Justin Herbert, I believe that, you know, the Dolphins are in there. I mean, who wouldn't want to just stand pat at five and hope that Tua falls in your lap? And if you have Tua rated as the same as a Justin Herbert, as a Jordan Love, why would you not just sit there and take whichever quarterback, you know, falls into your lap? So give me your thoughts on this. Is it smoke? Is there legit interest? And what do you think about Justin Herbert, the player, in comparison to a Tua Tonga by lower in the rest of this class? I like shiny things. And when I see someone like Justin Herbert compared to Tua, um, I don't know if this is too much of a stretch, but it's kind of comparing like RG3 to Ryan Tannehill. Just the, he's a little more dynamic. He's a little more explosive. And, you know, like I, I want those sports center top 10 plays. You know, I want to see Tua in a Dolphins jersey do something crazy and w- be watching Sports Center on Monday mornings and just kind of be able to bask in everybody freaking out like, this guy is insane. You know, I think with Justin Herbert, you might just get more of a, I say just, but, you know, a, a very good, you know, pocket quarterback in the pocket where he might not make those, you know, top 10 plays, but he can most certainly be the guy to lead a franchise. You have to start asking yourself what, you know, where are the Dolphins going to move? Um, I think they do most certainly want to stay at five. I don't think they want to waste, you know, these other picks because they do have a lot of holes. Um and you have to wonder if that's why it's coming out that they're, they're okay with Herbert. And, you know, maybe there's a lot of smoke going with it because Tua's been talked about for almost two years now as being a Dolphin. I mean, that doesn't just go away. Even after the injuries, you know, the, the smoke was still there. We saw, we saw what, Stephen Ross and Chris Greer on the sidelines at an Alabama game. Like, it, there's just too many signs pointing to, you know, the, the love of Tua. And, and I know, like you said, a lot of people on the Finsider are not going to be a fan of that. But, I mean, it's just like you you can't just throw out everything that's happened over, you know, the last year or so just because we're a week away from the draft. Obviously, you know, there's going to be a lot of smoke going out there. And, and there might be some truth to this, and, and it feels like I'm hedging my bet a little bit. But, I mean, I think we kind of have to at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's very interesting you make that comparison because, you know, everyone loved RG3 coming out. He was that, you know, that electrifying quarterback. You look at it now, Ryan Tannehill is the only first-round quarterback from that draft, you know, that's still playing football, that's still leading his team to a playoff win, you know, to the AFC Championship game. So it's interesting to see, you know, do you take the safe bet? Will the Dolphins stick to their board? And I think a lot of the smoke coming out, I don't have any doubt that they like Justin Herbert. You know, if Justin Herbert came out last year, he would have been up. He probably would have been the first quarterback selected to any other team than the Arizona Cardinals because Cliff Kingsbury had his guy. You know, Kyler Murray was the perfect fit for that offense. But Justin Herbert has been talked about as this prototypical passer. You know, this guy with a rocket arm that if he brings it all together can be the next great passer in the NFL. I keep comparing comparing him to Josh Allen, a more refined, a more accurate Josh I like Allen. That, yeah. 
do I sit here and think that, you know, the Dolphins, what, is that the kind of quarterback I want to see on the Miami Dolphins? And necessarily, not necessarily, because like you said, you want to see a, a different mold. And Tua Tomovailoa just seems like that different mold. You can't overlook the injuries. And I think, you know, a lot of this COVID-19 stuff, not being able to get him in there and have their doctors look at him is definitely playing a part in this. But I think ultimately all the smoke coming out is to deter teams away from the Dolphins' true interest, whether that be Tua, whether it be somebody else. It just seems like, it, it, to me, people keep saying the Justin Herbert stuff's smoke. It seems too obvious to be smoke, you know? It, why would they have this go out there when every other team in the NFL thinks it's Tua? Why why send this out there, this mixed message that no one's believing anyway? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see the way it plays out. Maybe the Chargers love Justin Herbert, and maybe they're doing this so the, the Chargers leapfrog the Dolphins up there to three. They get Herbert, Tua falls right in their lap. No one truly knows, and, you know, we're both sitting here, we're saying is the guy, is the one that we covet. It doesn't matter what we think, and I think that's what a lot of people have to realize. It doesn't matter who we like. You know, I, I like guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, but I also like guys like Paxton Lynch and you know Josh Rosen. I've stand for him for years, so I don't know more than this front office. And they acquired all these guys, and we continue to talk about on each podcast. You know, Chris Greer, Reggie McKenzie, Marvin Allen, Brian Flores, Dan Marino. They brought in this Avengers staff. They have to make the right pick because if they don't, it's going to set us back for years. So. I don't know if it's smoke, but I do think there's genuine interest there in Justin Herbert. I mean, they've scouted him for all these years. They did the same with Jordan Love. You know, they rushed him in, like we said last week. They rushed him in last minute. There has to be interest there, but I don't know who they truly covet. No one knows who they truly covet. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to hopefully stand pat at five and, and hopefully to a falls to them. But if not, in my opinion, they got to make a bold move. But it comes down to how they view this class, and I'm not going to fault them. Whoever it is, you know, maybe we're upset on draft night, but we'll come to love that pick either way. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Whatever whatever happens, whatever that first social media post is about them in training camp, I'm going to completely fall in love. Um, now, Josh, let me ask you this, because these are two different quarterbacks. I mean, there is talent on both of them, but just how they kind of get the job done is different. And when you kind of look around the NFL, um, a lot of the times uh, wide receivers, you know, in order to be successful, uh, need a specific scheme. But a lot of the time, too, they need to be with the right quarterback they, that, that are just they really sync up well. Who would fit the Dolphins group of wide receivers, specifically Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, two guys who got, you know, you know when, when Preston Williams was healthy, he was the most targeted wide receiver in the NFL. Who would fit this duo more, uh, Herbert or Tua? Because when you bring that into the equation, you kind of have to feel that maybe Herbert, you know, you think about what Fitzpatrick did with these wide receivers last year, he might be able to emulate that a little better. Uh, am I a little off with that, or, or where do you stand? You know, I'm not really sure, and I think you got to kind of take a step back, and you mentioned Fitzpatrick, and, you know, you got to kind of look at what he did in Changeli's offense, you know, many years ago with the Jets. I think that was Fitzpatrick, one of his better years. I think that was one of the Jets' better years. I could be mistaken, but Changeli runs a very, you know, a spread offense, a lot of timing routes and things like that. I don't know if they need this guy with this rocket arm. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't have the strongest arm, and he went out there and made plays that, you know, many people didn't expect him to do. So I, I want to say that Herbert's cannon is – you know, I think a team can work around that. But for me, too, you know, he's got the timing down. He's got the pocket presence. He he just seems like a more quarter, uh, wide receiver friendly quarterback. And you see what his receivers are doing in Alabama. You know, the, you got Henry Ruggs. You got Jerry Judy. You know, the, uh, Devin Smith. There, there's different names out there. And these guys are, you know, highly touted. They could all be, you know, potential. Two of them are probably going in the first round. They they, they are loaded at talent wide receiver. You don't know how much of that is because they had a guy like Tua Tonovaloa throwing them the football. So for me, I think Tua is the perfect fit for this offense. I think, you know, he can 
learn behind uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. A lot of people are saying no matter which rookies are drafted, with all the stuff that's going on in the world, you know, they might be delayed in getting into the NFL and getting started. And I think that would be in the Dolphins' best interest with Tua. So I think they can both work. I think I laugh at it because I think it was Barry Jackson or David Hyde. Someone released a interview with Jay Feeler and Jay Feeler and I again I can't remember if it's Barry Jackson or, or David Hyde, but they both said that, you know, Justin Herbert isn't athletic enough to run Chan Gailey's offense. And I just laughed at that because, you know, Jay Fiedler <laughs> ran Jay, Jay Fiedler ran that offense, you know, and no one can sit there and look at Herbert and question his athleticism because, again, I said he kind of compares to Josh Allen. That's an athletic quarterback. That's a guy that you can you you can run those RPOs. You can get outside the pocket and let him work his magic with that cannon of an arm. So I, I laugh at that. I think they'd both be good fits, but I definitely think Tua, you know, there's a little bit more f- favoritism there for Tua. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Um, I'm going to share a little story here because I think uh, when, when people who played in the NFL or work around the NFL compared to fans, we kind of mess, or I don't want to say mess up, but, but kind of switch up what the term athleticism really means. Because I uh, went to Web Weekend uh, back when the Dolphins would host everyone at once. All these different blog sites um, would all come down at once. We'd all go to the same game. You know, we'd all do these interviews, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we talked to the members of the – it was it was Jesse Jesse Agler, I believe, at the time. What, what was the show they did? It was him, Troy Drayton, and uh, – God, I can't remember who else. But do you that know what That wasn't the Finsiders, was it? Wasn't it called something very similar? I think am so. I, I think I that's what it was. No, I think you're 100% right. And and I wanted to say that, but I just didn't want to come out and be the only one and, and you'd be like, nah, dude, that's that's not right. But, you know, what, I, what I'm getting at here is um, I asked because, you know, that was when Peyton Manning was going bananas um, in Denver. And what's something, you know, everyone talked about what Peyton was able to do with his arm. But there were a couple times where he did naked bootlegs and would just run into the end zone because, you know, all his wide receivers, everybody ex- – you know, expects him to throw to, you know, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, all these different talented wide receivers, and, and you can't blame him. So, you know, then a bootleg, Peyton Manning, you know, he'd go out to the side, and he's not an athletic guy, but he could go out and, you know, just score that touchdown, get that three-yard run because nobody's expecting it. And at the time, the Dolphins really didn't use Tannehill as a mobile quarterback as much. So my question I ask them is, you know, Tannehill was a wide receiver in college. Why can't he do the, these bootlegs? and different things like Peyton Manning can. And they just kind of laughed it off as, you know, don't expect, you know, Ryan Tannehill to do things Peyton Manning can do. And, you know, I I, I got confused. I'm like, 
he can't he can't run a three yard naked bootleg, you know. And you know, especially when you have guys on the outside at the time like Mike Wallace, who are gonna you know quote unquote gonna take the top off the defense. You need to keep up with that speed. So I just thought it was weird how we don't necessarily look at athleticism the same way. And you know, I kind of disagreed with with their response of you know he can't do everything Peyton Manning does because. That's not really what I asked, you know, when you look at, hey, can this guy run, you know, a, a three-yard bootleg? And, and that's kind of weird how, how you know, it kind of reminded me of this where Jay Fiedler doesn't think, you know, uh, Herbert's athletic enough, yet he ran that offense, yet, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick ran that offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick led this team in rushing last year, and I don't think any of us are going to call him athletic. He, you know, squirms around, he runs like a, a, a you know, a, a madman with his hair on fire, but it doesn't mean he's athletic. I mean... Tannehill was athletic, but he just ran like a baby deer. So, you know, there's there's these, you know, comparisons that just really don't make a lot of sense to me, and I'm yet to really wrap my head around. You hit the nail on the head with that, and I think, you know, it's a perfect example. You just hope that whichever quarterback they bring in, they have a real, you know, they have a plan in place because without that, you know, they brought in 67-year-old Chan Gailey. If, if he's not going to be able to develop this guy or, or they have a way to utilize him to his strengths, I, I think that's a bigger concern than who the actual quarterback is. So, Aside from quarterback, you know, we touched on that. What other positions do you think the Dolphins need to address in the draft? You know, when I sit here and I look at, you know, five or three fifth round picks, you know, maybe that that third round pick is we, we kind of chatted about this before, but is a wide receiver really out of the realm of possibility? I saw, you know, some mock drafts having the Dolphins take a wide receiver in the first round. I don't think I'd ever go that far. But, um, you know, you have Devontae Parker under contract. But outside of that, there's a lot of question marks in that uh, position group. You wonder if Albert Wilson, this will be his last year. I mean, people were th- saying he was going to get cut this year, even though, you know, I didn't really agree with that. Uh, you know, Preston Williams, can he come back and be just as healthy, just as ready to go uh, and become a guy of, that the Dolphins could use in the future? You know, this was a rookie. We can't really bank on him being this outstanding wide receiver. Can it happen? Absolutely, but you know we're not really sure. Isaiah Ford, I used to give you junk, but again, this is a guy who he did break out at the end of the year. But this is a guy who kept bouncing from practice squad to the bottom of the roster. He was even cut a couple times. Is that really someone you can expect to have a long-term uh, spot on this team? So you have to wonder: Is wide receiver one of these positions that hey, you know, it's not necessarily a super need, but when you're drafting a young quarterback, you want to get that chemistry going early. You know, we don't want to have to bring in three wide receivers next year. We don't have to want to bring in Mike Wallace and Brandon Gibson and, you know, things look a little awkward. So do you, that's kind of the one position I go, you, you could talk about, you know, they need help still as a at pass rusher out at, at outside linebacker, maybe even defensive tackle running back. We can spew out offensive line, sure. But, I mean, that's just one position because the Dolphins aren't in a great spot, we have to keep in mind. I mean, this is a team that was completely tore down, and you have to wonder, are there going to be some positions they ignore? Do they ignore a safety? Do they ignore a defensive end in order to help a position remain consistent for a few more years? And I think wide receiver might be one of those. Yeah, man, and I think the biggest thing, you know, we look at this roster and we don't even, I don't even think many Dolphin fans, even myself, truly understand how many wide receivers they have that, you know, they picked up off waivers that have the potential to, to make an impact like an Isaiah Ford. I mean, Preston Williams was undrafted and a lot of people expected a lot out of him, but who knew what he was going to become? So, I mean, you got sure. Gary Jennings Jr. I mean, that was a guy that they picked up towards the end of the year, didn't really make an impact, but, you know, maybe he has a chance. You know, Mac Collins, a guy who was more of a special teams type player. I think he almost had a, a reset, a deep re- touchdown pass at one point. I don't remember if it was a Jets game or what, but I think he was running open. He almost had a big catch. Ricardo Lewis, I know they gave him a, uh, they signed him again and, and, you know, 
these are all young players. They're they're all 26. You know, some are 23. These are guys that still have potential to make an impact. We, they brought in that back Alan Hearns. You know, yeah, Grant, I was gonna say he got a there. new contract, right? Yeah, I um, mean, so so there's a bunch of wide receivers, and you don't know how they value these guys because there's a reason. You know, they picked them off up off waivers, or you know, there's a reason they signed them a season ago. They got hurt or whatever, and they kept them around. So this is a loaded wide receiver class. You know. I came into this even when we went back and did one of our first podcasts. I came into it and said, you know, wide receiver set. There's no reason to address that position. You kind of made the argument that you just did. So I'd absolutely think that that's one of those positions that the Dolphins are going to address just because, A, the class is going to be very good, and, B, you know, like you said, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that. And if you don't have wide receivers in the NFL, you can't have success. And to take a look at the other side of the ball, you know, a position that I kind of think the Dolphins after that big Byron Jones signing, you know, Xavier Howard's coming back. They had Nick Needham make some plays. No, Cordray Tankersley's still on the roster. It's the same situation with the wide receivers. You know, do they feel that they are set at cornerback? Is Bobby McCain a nickel corner? You know, can they rely on a Tay Hayes or some of these other guys, a Montre Hardage that, you know, they threw in there, they made some plays, they're young, they're developing, you know, what's a Lyndon Stevens do? So I'm throwing out all these names because they have these young players on the roster that, you know, there's a reason they're here. They started some games last year. Do they believe that those guys are good depth? Do they believe that they're set at the cornerback position? They might, but at the same time, you know, you cannot have success in the NFL if you don't have a plethora of corners because as soon as one goes down, you know, everything else falls apart. So, yes, they have a Byron Jones. They have an Xavier Howard. They have one of the best tandems in the NFL. But outside of that, you know, are they excited about a Nick Needham, which they should be. He played well. But outside of that, you know, do you think cornerback is another one of those positions that the Dolphins don't absolutely need heading into this draft? They're not going to address on day one, maybe not day two. But do you feel that they need to add some competition there, or do you think they're set at the cornerback position? You know, and, and that that's like a really good point, too, because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, Xavier Howard, I don't think he's played his full 16-game season. Um, Nick Needham's a great guy to have behind him, but you have to wonder, do they bring in maybe a cornerback safety hybrid with a fourth-round pick, a high upside athletic guy, who can maybe jump and just get some snaps at either or, depending on who's active in a given week. You're not going to, you know, see all these guys active for 16 games. Not everyone's going to stay healthy. So I wonder if they might take a risk on someone like that who is going to get a lot of time in practice to really, you know, sit back, take things in before they make that adjustment. And then all of a sudden, you know, Xavier Howard needs to sit out for two weeks. Say the Dolphins, I've been to say it, I'm going to say the Dolphins are 11-2 and two and they want to rest him for two weeks before the playoffs. You know, you can put him out and have Nick Needham come in and still get that experience. Have another guy come in and get that experience. I think that'd be a really interesting pick for the Dolphins because you really have to ask yourself, because the Dolphins have so many holes, they're not going to fill them all. What positions do you need to solidify and have a great amount of depth, and you need that depth to be successful compared to just having a, a well-rounded team on a front le- on a top level, but a couple injuries can really you know gash your team. Yeah, and I think another one of those positions is also you know defensive end and edge, and I think. You know, I wrote an article the other day on the Finsider, and I kind of touched on what I believe their biggest needs are, and maybe you'll argue, but I had quarterback, which we talked about, running back, we talked about that a little bit last week. I think they're absolutely going to add to that room. And then you have defensive line, you know, whether they get a true nose tackle, a defense tackle up there to, you know, pair with Christian Wilkins. Um, I, I believe safety and offensive tackle, offensive line in general, you know, I think safety, offensive tackle, and quarterback is the way they should address the first round. I know we're going to do our own little mock drafts in the coming weeks, but those are the biggest needs to me. Offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, safety, and running back. How, how, how do you feel about that? Which of those positions do you feel, you know, besides quarterback? Let's just throw that out there because until this team gets a quarterback, until they find their right guy, you know, 
success is is it's going to be hard to come by. But how do you view some of those other positions? What are your top needs for the Dolphins? Not only in the first round, but the entire draft. After you look at the rosters, after you look at the roster moves that they made, you know, right now safety, they have Eric Rowe. And uh, besides that, you know, maybe a Stephen Parker and Adrian Col- Culver, you know, they brought in Clayton Fajidlam, but they don't have, you know, that safety that they had before in a Rashad Jones, you know, before him, a Jeremiah Bell, they don't have some of these impact players to properly run this defense. So, Besides safety, besides some of those other names, to touch about who. What are some of your biggest needs heading into the 2020 NFL Draft for the Miami Dolphins? You know, it's it's hard to think about the defense, especially after what they just did in free agency. You have to think they need to come out of the draft with an offensive tackle. They need to come out of the draft with a running back. But you look at that safety position, and you mentioned two guys who you know were some of my fondest memories as a Dolphins fan, and then take that for what it is. We're, you know, Yermai Bell, big hits, you know, making big plays. Same with Rashad Jones, whether, and it usually ended with a front flip. You know, the one thing outside of being both safeties that stands out about those two players is where they were drafted. Rashad Jones, fifth round pick. Yermai Bell, sixth round pick. And the Dolphins can really, really hit some of those home uh, some of these positions home when you maybe you take two safeties in the fifth round you have three fifth round picks for a reason maybe you know you use those two second round picks to even jump back a little bit more and you know we know everybody's not getting the amount of time to listen to podcasts that they usually do they're not commuting they're not doing things like that and uh before i have two final questions for you here josh that i, I want to spend some time on but i wanted to thank everyone for tuning in and you know r- remaining into football during everything what's going on using this as a good blocking path so josh i just mentioned it you know maybe you're trading down the two second round picks and and while i finish this little rant i want you to bring up a list of all of miami's picks look at those top first round picks you know three of them i'll even include the second round picks so we have the fifth overall 18th overall 26th overall 39th and 56th which one of those, if you had $100 that you were to bet that the Dolphins would use at least one of these to move up, which one would you guarantee that the Dolphins are going to be moving from? And that is if they're moving up, what, to get a quarterback or just in general? Moving up in general. I'm going to say, you know, either 56, you know, if they want to move up, um, you know, a couple spots in the second round or... I keep going back to 26 if they want to move up and get, you know, a two at three. I think that that would kind of be the moneymaker because, again, the Jets gave up three second-round draft picks to move up for Darnold. I could see the Dolphins easily handing over 26, going up and getting the quarterback that, you know, they truly want. But I think 26 or 56, those could be used, you know, to move up. And we got to look at 72, you know, that they have six picks in the top 70. That is that is huge, and that is how you build a roster. You know, but I think you mentioned it the best. You know, those late round picks are some of the studs that Chris Greer has found. You know, Bobby McCain's, you know, you can go down the list. I don't have it in front of me. You probably don't have it in front of you. But <laughs> many of their great, like, you know, many of those players that he hit on, Devon Godshaw, you know, we like Vincent Taylor. You can go down the list. Many of those guys were late round draft picks. You know, he struggled. He got a Charles Harris, you know, Jawan James, however you feel about him. Some of those early round picks, you know, he kind of struggled with. But once you get to those later rounds, that's where Chris Greer, you know, did the best of his work. So, uh, I think, you know, even if they do draft a safety early or a, an offensive tackle, that doesn't mean that a guy later later on in this day three can't outperform them because we've seen it before. So all 14 of these draft picks are valuable, but if the Dolphins are going to use any to move up, I believe it's at 56 and uh, 26 in my opinion. What about you? 
I've been kind of battling between 26 and 18 um, because you wonder if the Dolphins are going to try to, you know, so let's say they use five alone to get a quarterback. Uh, when does, where is that drop off? Are there 15 top tier players in this draft? And then, you know, you reach that second level of players that, of course, can end up being great in the NFL. And then, but those overall that you think this is going to be a generational guy that fits our system perfectly. Um, I kind of feel that 18th, they might try to jump up a few more if you can get up to, you know, 12, 13, get one of those first dozen prospects who are supposed to come in and be an instant game changer. Maybe it is that left tackle. A lot of people kind of think that the four main left tackles in this draft are going to be gone by 18. So maybe they'll try to slide up there. But I do think there's going to be some dancing early by the Dolphins in order to get the the right players here, not necessarily just pigeon with what picks you have. Despite having five in the or six in the top 70, you want to make sure you get the right value. Maybe you have to trade up a couple. And on the other side, Josh, out of those, you know, first we'll, we'll say the top 70, which of those picks, if you had to bet $100 on, would you say they are most likely to trade out of to move down in the draft. Uh, down. It's that's a that's a good question, man. Um, let's go with fifty six. Let's let's do fifty six. You know, they move down. Maybe some of that value is not quite there. They acquire another third, or I think their fourth round pick, if I'm not mistaken, is pretty late. There's a huge gap in between there, between seventy and one forty. So, to think that the Dolphins aren't going to couple some of those late guys, you know, we're looking at the list: two twenty seven, one eighty five, one seventy three. 154, 153. Who's to say that they're not going to couple some of them to move up? But you're right. I think the biggest thing here is if the right player falls. You know, you said about the four different offensive tackles. Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, Mika Becton, Josh Jones, maybe if you consider him one. Are they going to last to 18? I mean, besides quarterback, is that not probably the Dolphins' biggest need on the offensive line, at offensive tackle? You know, you get a Tua, you get a Herbert. None of that matters if you don't have an offensive line to keep them upright. So I definitely think, and I think you just I, you made me realize, you know, that's kind of where the Dolphins are going to jump up. If, if they, they see a guy up there at 12 or 13 that falls, why not move up there and ensure that you get that generational talent because players always fall, and all it takes is a run on quarterbacks. So all it takes is, you know, uh, a run on, you know, offensive tackles to see the Dolphins realizing, you know, our guy's not going to be there. We have to move up. And at that point, if the Dolphins feel that one of those players is above them, above the rest, you got to make a move. But I think that gap between 70 and 141, I think that's where you're going to see the Dolphins move back up with some of those late round picks because, you know, we talked about those mid guys that, you know, can, can get some good value there. But the drop off in most drafts between, you know, that day two and day three, there's a pretty big gap there. So, the Dolphins are going to do a lot of shuffling around. They've set themselves up to do whatever it takes to get their guys. Let's just hope, you know, with all everything going on in this world, let's just hope that they can make this happen, push through it, and have, you know, the best draft that the Dolphins have had in many years. Yeah, and for me, I kind of look at 39 overall, right? Let's say the Dolphins use that 56 pick coupled with 18 to move up three, four spots and, and get that left tackle or whoever they may like. Maybe they, you know, see a stud on the defensive end. They want to keep piling away on that side of the ball. And then, you know, or for the sake of this, we'll say five quarterback. They'll use 56 and 18 to move up for a tackle. 26, we'll say, is YOLO ball. Let's go running back just to make everybody who listens to this podcast so angry. So when you get 39 overall, you start talking to teams at the bottom half of that first round. You know, the, the teams that finish uh, near the, you know, the Chiefs, whether it's the Ravens. You start talking to these teams who might use their first round pick on a guy, but maybe they were so close on two guys. When you're looking at the bottom of the first round and you're looking at the top of the second, 
a lot of your prospects are going to be the same type of guys. So 39th overall, the fifth pick in the second round, all of a sudden you maybe start talking, maybe do I move back down into the second round in order to pick up, do I pick up another third round? Do I pick up a third this year and next year because of it? You start to see where the Dolphins could maybe get something for a top second round pick. And it doesn't seem like it's that big of a loss because, hey, we just drafted three guys in the first round, and we have so many more picks coming. And you mentioned 70 picks between your uh, the fifth pick in the third round and the it must must be the, the second-to-last pick in the fourth round. There's such a huge hole there. The Dolphins can use that 39th overall to really gain some traction there in that third round, especially after you have that left tackle, right tackle if it's Tua. You have that quarterback. You have some sort of flashy, flashy position you got at the bottom of this first round. All of a sudden, wide receiver in the third round looks very exciting. All of a sudden, safety in the third round looks exciting. Those are different things I could really see me getting really excited for is has the Dolphins developed this don't get me wrong I'm gonna be so hyped watching that first round and those players but I mean you kind of banking that hey Chris Greer for him to keep his job these first round picks they need to be successful but all of a sudden the Dolphins are exceeding expectations if they use you know a second round and two third round picks and fill other holes and all of a sudden there's that talent there and you know I need to kind of come at or not come at or talk about a, a comment I saw on the Finsider where I spoke last week about, you know, quote unquote bus. Uh, what would make this a bad draft? And, and someone, you know, snarkily captain obviously said, well, you know, there's busts in every draft, you know, it doesn't matter how many you know picks you have, you're going to have a couple busts. Well, I know that, you know, that's going to happen, but the goal, the hope is that it isn't fifth overall. You're hoping that if it is 26th overall, you get somebody who can contribute on a relative basis, you know, a little better than Charles Harris, hopefully. But it's important to keep in mind when we're sitting here and, and we're dreaming of our, you know, perfect scenarios, um, we aren't going to go after Greer if there's two or even three busts in this draft. But if all the three of the first round picks are busts, you know, one of the three and then the rest of the drafts is, that's an issue too. The Dolphins really need to get a stable group here. And there are going to be some picks that really do fall to the bottom of the roster and might not even make it too, too long on the team. But in order to be excited about Greer and the front office of this team, they have to hit on a strong amount of these picks. And I think we can both acknowledge that there are going to be some some bad picks here. We might get excited for them at the time, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad draft if, you know, two or three fall by the wayside. I think we kind of expect that. Yeah, and we see it with every draft. You know, there's players that we either are too high on or too low on, and they kind of exceed or underperform to our expectations. So absolutely, with your 14 draft picks, I don't think the Dolphins are going to use all 14. But to think that they're going to hit home runs on all of them, even in the th first round, I think that would be a little bit crazy. Of course. The biggest thing is versatility, and I think that's what the Dolphins and their new coaching staff, you know, since Brian Flores has come in, that's kind of been what they preach, and they want these players who are not only, you know, good on and off the field, team captains, things like that, but they're versatile. And they, If they're a defensive lineman, they can play inside and outside. You know, if they're safety, they can drop down the box, they can cover tight ends, but then they can, you know, drop down and play nickel a little bit. You know, you want these offensive linemen that they sign, you know, they can play center, they can play guard. You want an offensive tackle, they can play left, right. Whatever it is, versatility, the Dolphins want these guys that are just – great football players, better people, and versatile that they can just kind of move around and, and work different ways, use different formations. And I think that's what it is gonna, this whole draft is going to be about, is versatility and just finding the right players, but absolutely correct. You know, you're not going to hit on all those picks. 
if he hits on half of them and, you know, you get starters for the next five to ten years, that's a home run. But ultimately it comes for down sure. to the quarterback. Ultimately that comes down to the offensive line. And from there, you know, let the rest of the pieces fall because, like you said, they address defense. There's lots of great players that they brought in. You know, they need a safety, but whether they get one in the round one or on day two, they need a running back to add to that depth. But at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to the quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, the rest, it's it's an uphill battle from there. Exactly, exactly. I think we've talked to your guys' ears off enough. Uh, we're Like Josh hinted at earlier, we're going to try to do some mock drafts, kind of try to talk out some ways we could see the Dolphins really putting together a saucy roster. Uh, keep the conversation going with us. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, hit us with all that kind stuff. It really, really helps us out. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm jmendel94. Houts over here is always rolling with the different gifts, the different comments, the different thoughts. At Houts, it's that simple. If you can't find him on Twitter, I'm sure sh- somebody is sharing his tweets on Reddit as we speak. Josh, thank you so much for joining me, man. It was a pleasure to kind of break out here and, and chat a little while about football because it's coming, man. It's quickly approaching. Yeah, man, 15 days. Everybody just be safe. You know, shout out again to the healthcare workers, the pharmacists, the nurses, all them working the front of the line. I think we're getting through this slowly but steady. Just remain, remember, social distancing. The light is at the end of the tunnel, but draft 15 days away. Lots to talk about. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Jake on Twitter. We'll have a podcast early next week breaking down some mock drafts, so look out for that. But fins up, man. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and I hope all our listeners do as well. Fins up, buddy. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins.